0: Developing the Leader Within is a podcast that focuses on leadership, management, and career development. We nosedive into the areas that are holding you back from your full potential. Let us begin. Welcome back everybody to another episode of Developing the Leader Within podcast. I'm Enrique, your host, and today I'm extremely blessed uh, to have with me Dr. Maya Rockamore Cummings. Uh, She is the founder, president, and CEO of Global Policy Solutions, as well as the wife of the late representative Elijah Cummings. Uh, Dr. Cummings, thank you so much for being with me today. Uh, I am truly blessed to have you on the show.
1: It is my honor and privilege to be with you today.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Now, uh, we're going to be discussing a topic that I think is so important to leadership. And it is leadership and global policy and strategy is right down your alleyway uh, of what you do and and what you're involved in. Uh, But before we get into that topic, uh, could you take uh, just a a brief moment and share with us uh, a little bit about you?
1: yeah so thank you so much you know I am the fourth generation from slavery in this country my parents grew up in the Jim Crow south my folks are from the Louisiana Texas uh, area Uh, and so you know um, I grew up with my parents telling me what it was like to grow up in the Jim Crow south even though I did not Uh, I was born in the post civil rights generation uh, 1971 uh, and my dad was recruited to go into the U.S. Air Force So we lived in many places around the country and even abroad Uh, and yet I always saw the juxtaposition of the haves and have nots in our society as, you know, race and class and gender uh, and was curious about it and so much so that I became a political science major and took it all the way through to earning a PhD in political science. Uh, with an emphasis in American politics, uh, international relations, African-American studies, and public policy. Uh, and so I bring all of that background to, you know, to the Washington area uh, in 1997, when I get here in the fall of 1997, and I end up having uh, working on Capitol Hill for the House Ways and Means Committee, for former Congressman Charlie Rangel, before going into the nonprofit think tank world and then creating my own firm in 2005 called Global Policy Solutions.
0: Yeah, that's a, an illustrious career. I've, I've followed it uh, on all the available data that is, uh, that is uh, available to us on the internet. Um, so amazed at what you've been able to do uh, you know, in your life. And I shared a little bit about that prior to the, to the show. Um, my daughter is a political science major, and uh, I know she'll be listening uh, because I think you're just such a great example of what you can do from that point forward. And so I thank you for that example. Uh, you're impacting my daughter, right? Uh, um, this uh, this topic about leadership, uh, which is you know near and dear to my heart, uh, but a role that you are in and have been in, uh, leading the Democratic Party there in Maryland, uh, doing so many things uh, at the forefront, uh, a congressman. Um, you know, you went for, for that, you went for the governorship. Uh, you've done so much, um, which just makes me proud to see um, a, a female minority in our nation achieving so much. It, it really is an example. Um, but in terms of uh, leadership, I have found that there is so uh, such a, a shortfall in the in the foresight of leaders when it comes to the topic of global policy and strategy. And our nation at this point, uh, the small businesses are suffering uh, because of the pandemic. Um, because of, I'm I'm I'm, I'm going to say it. Uh, sometimes lack of action from higher authorities to be able to uh, to help at that level. But the businesses at that level and the leadership at that level have a way of, of affecting global policy, uh, policies uh, here at the nation uh, through a strategic uh, posture of Support right, and and usually we do that at the polls, right? Uh, if if we don't get the proper, uh, you know, s- sustainment and help, uh, that's really where we can affect the change. But at the local level, at the at the company level, um, how would you uh, and what would you advise local leaders at their companies to start? coming to a point where they can start having a mindset of global policy uh, and strategy uh, for their company and for the nation?
1: So let me just be clear that when I say global policy, uh, I don't mean just uh, international. Right. I mean all people, mm-hmm. I mean all policies and I mean all levels of government. Right. Uh, And so with that, you know, we have a tendency in our society uh, for leaders uh, to actually only focus on certain population groups, Uh, you know, whether they be, you know, large business owners or whether they be, you know, certainly we have a history of racism in this country. Uh, so, white Americans versus everyone else. Uh, and so, you know, the whole notion is that in order to get to where we need to be as a society, where we are truly diverse, inclusive, and uh, embracing of all people's potential, uh, we actually need to be looking through the lens of all people and uh, in, in all places. Uh, and so that means that we have a responsibility as leaders uh, to be very broad in our thinking. Uh, to uh, formulate strategies and policies that are not just broad, but also targeted to need. Uh, so you know, if you have uh, certain maybe population groups or areas of the country that are struggling or types of businesses like small businesses that are struggling, that you, you do your best to actually look at the unique challenges facing the kinds of uh, population groups or businesses that are facing those challenges, And then you design, intentionally design strategies that are meant to help all of them succeed. And currently in this country, we are not doing that. Uh, Our Mm -hmm. systems and our policies are actually failing. People and businesses, particularly small businesses in the aftermath, not just of COVID-19, which has devastated. Mm -hmm. Uh, Certainly uh, small businesses across the country and certain industries like the restaurant industry, certain communities like black and brown communities, But also in the aftermath of the 2008 financial crisis, I mean, many of these businesses were already struggling and had not recovered yet from that crisis. Uh, And so now we're in COVID-19, and we're seeing the world be turned upside down. Uh, And the response, frankly, uh, from Congress has been suboptimal. We've had a PPP program that seems to have only been really helpful to um, some of the mid to larger corporations. Uh, Small businesses, especially small businesses of color, uh, were left behind and left out, frankly, because of the design of how that program was uh, developed. But even, you know, the remedy, quote unquote, the supposed remedy for that, uh, even had filters uh, that, you know, left people out that did not, left businesses out that did not have owners with great credit, Uh, which meant that, you know, we've got businesses falling by the wayside left and right. Um, Some estimates I've heard, I haven't seen formal studies yet that, you know, approximately, you know, half of black businesses uh, have have closed. Uh, We know that restaurants have been hit hard. So what do we need to do? We need focused strategy. We need um, a broad thinking uh, and we need people uh, who are leading. With the discipline to understand that all of us not matter, not just some of us.
0: Yeah, I, I love how you uh, frame that because uh, it is a an approach that I take when I'm speaking to CEOs and I deal with smaller companies, uh, and um, I always encourage them to ensure that when they actually create policy, that they include more than just themselves, uh, because then they close themselves to that. To that uh, little uh, group uh, and I love the, the global mindset um, if there's anything that 2020 has allowed me to do and participate in is on a global scale uh, you know uh, across the world and I love it because not only was I exposed to the world through the Navy and and my service there uh, but also through this uh, through this podcast this platform uh, to be able to understand and appreciate um uh, More than just me, my surroundings, and my nation, um, but you're so right when you talk about uh, the different levels of people that can make policy that affect others, uh, they need to be on a global mindset. Uh, so thank you for that when um, When I speak often also with uh, with leaders um, i I find that their policies come from uh, their interest, right, Uh, versus the interest of the company and all that crew that actually comprise that company. And I could see that kind of translate up the ranks all the way up to, you know, D.C. And, and, you know, without uh, us going too much into the political scheme um, it is a habit that transcends just you know just Washington. It, it actually goes all the way down to the local, uh, to the local owners and, and leaders. How can I get uh, away from uh, creating policies that just appease, you know, the group? Because that's really where the pet pitfalls are, right?
1: Yeah, so I'm glad that you asked that question because what people tend to do is they tend to think of institutions as you know, separate from people, but people run institutions, whether the institution is government, uh, local, state, or federal, or whether the institution is private sector business. Uh, and so their values, their priorities, their perspectives, Come into the and to shape that institution into what it produces, you know, whether that's policy, whether that's products and services. And so, if you have people who are running, you know, our government or our organizations and businesses uh, in ways where they are blind uh, to certain segments of society or certain issues in society, and it's relevant uh, to the products and services and policies that they are putting out then what we have are suboptimal outputs. Mm -hmm. Uh, Outputs that are on their face as soon as they're released are Mm -hmm. are going to be um, not uh, sufficient for the need. Uh, And oftentimes perverted in ways uh, that basically undermine and create more problems than when they started. Uh, And so what we need is a broad, we need people who are educated, Uh, who are able to get out of their narrow mindset, uh, who are, you know, uh, uh, made aware of and are able to see their implicit biases, but have the tools and the techniques in order to step outside of those biases to understand the bigger picture. Uh, And so I think our society has failed uh, our people in terms of producing leaders uh, that are able to do that on a grand scale, the kind of scale that we need Uh, to, to get to the kind of society we all deserve. And frankly, uh, you know, I do think uh, that we have another bite at the apple, but we're going to have to double down on education. And when I say education, I mean, multicultural education, education that's broad-based, that really kind of appreciates all people in all places. uh, And that, you know, promotes this notion of unity.
0: Yeah, I love that, uh, you know, you you as you was talking, the first thing that came up to my head was educated, right, and then you just mentioned that, so uh, I'm glad that we're in sync in that regard, because it is truly the unlearned that make the biggest mistakes. Uh, they act without the educational background. Now, education alone, uh, it's, it, you know, it'll get you so far, Uh, then you have to actually have some historical uh, uh, data that you have put this into practice and now you know, right? You knew about it, but now you know. And uh, and I love that you bring that up because I, I see a lot of times that leaders get to positions and they rest on their laurels. They get there and think that whatever they did prior to that and them getting there was good enough and they stop learning. They stop digging. They stop exploring. And that's one of the most detrimental things that a leader can do uh, for, in terms of their people. Because while their people are learning and, and increasing in their knowledge, the leaders are setting back. And before you know it, there's somebody that below you that can easily take your place. Um, and so I love that you brought up education. Obviously, education has been a big part of your uh, life and your career, uh, and and I'm glad that you set that tone uh, for yourself and for us. Um, so let's take a, a little sidetrack. Yeah. Can
1: I, before you go there, can I just say this? You can be educated and still be unlearned, meaning that your education has not prepared you for the knowledge that has not equipped you for the knowledge that you will need to meet a broad and diverse society. So you can have the highest education at the best university and still have these big gaps in knowledge Mm -hmm. uh, that uh, that may make you uh, unfit uh, to lead. Uh, And so, yeah, continuous education and exploration for all of us is absolutely necessary.
0: Yeah, I I agree wholeheartedly. Um, I was going to uh, say that. So we've talked about leadership. We talked about policy. I remember me specifically uh, asking one leader of mine, I said, uh, why was this written? Uh, And it was a policy that came down concerning uh, time and attendance, right? And uh, I said, why are we writing policies around something that should be inherent to all employers? You You get here on time. And uh, it was one of those instances that I remember where uh, the pen hit the paper uh, without a need. Uh, All it needed was communication. And so a lot of times I see uh, leaders creating policy uh, just uh, out of desperation. uh, And actually what it was, was lack of leadership. They tried to allow policy to dictate the leadership instead of the leader actually taking it by the horns and leading the people. For for leaders that find themselves in that pickle, right, because sometimes we hide behind policies, Um, what would you tell a leader uh, that would encourage them, uh, you know, outside of communication uh, to not be so quick to run to policy, uh, but to start leading from where they are, you know, their position?
1: So that's an interesting question, because I do think that, you know, your organization, whether it be a business or a government, needs a framework for how to operate. And that framework needs to set the rules of the road, and it needs to be clear to everybody across time. So, you know, policies usually help to do that. Uh, however, the question of values-based leadership. Uh, I think is, uh, you know, within the framework of the policies that have been established uh, is a very central question. It's one we're experiencing a crisis in as a nation right now, and certainly one that goes to every institution you can think of. And that is that, you know, will leaders lead, uh, you know, with a a strong kind of sense of uh, mission Uh, focused on, you know, uh, focusing and rallying and inspiring people to focus on goals and objectives that help the most people possible Uh, and and certainly help, you know, the business uh, or the country. Uh, And what we're finding is that people are so focused on their narrow well-being, whether or not they're going to get reelected, whether or not they're popular, whether or not people under them are listening to their authority or respecting their authority, Uh, whether or not they're going to be challenged. They're so focused on the narrow that they often miss the big picture. So the inspiration is gone, Uh, the values, the reason why you exist in the first place is pushed to the side. And what ends up happening is institutions have a crisis of legitimacy, Uh, either they suffer uh, major problems in their products and services, uh, or they have catastrophic policies. Uh, and I certainly believe that that's something that's happening in the country right now and certainly that there are institutions of all types that experience it at one time or another. Can it be corrected? Absolutely.
0: Yeah, I, I love that uh, legitimacy uh, it, you said it and it, uh, a light bulb you know in my head because that's the true, a, a issue. The true issue is that you're trying to prove that you are the leader by setting these policies all haphazardly, uh, and it's almost like a you know like a whip. You know that you know you oh you can't get into line. I'm gonna whip you into line by this policy. And uh, and I've often uh, advised that um, that it should be taken with a grain of salt and and a step back. Think about what it is going to do. What what's the Purpose of this policy, and can you even sustain it? Because once it's written, <laughs> then guess what? Somebody might check you on it <laughs> later on. So you have to you have to be careful how you step that forward. Um, let's talk. Let's let's sidetrack off the leadership. I, I love what you've uh, uh, said uh, so far, but I want to uh, present this book. Uh, you know we're better than this and you know you've been championing uh, uh, the legacy and the book and it is a great great memoir uh for the fight and it truly does represent the fight for the future of our democracy uh and and such a such a powerful way of presenting that uh for years to come uh, and so i want to just explore how that's going uh, on your end, I know you have an event tonight uh, with it uh, and, uh, and also uh, maybe some things that you're working on that uh, you would like to share with us.
1: Yeah, so I'm excited. Um, my late husband passed away uh, in October of 2019 uh, and he had almost finished his book and his book was meant to do two things. One was inspire young people to know that when they encounter obstacles that they can press forward and overcome them and achieve everything that they were meant to be as long as uh, they focus on the goal and uh, remain steadfast uh, in terms of putting forward their effort and energy. Uh, His example, his life, you know, being uh, an African-American boy brought up in the Jim Crow South at a time when our nation turned its backs on people of color and African-Americans especially. Uh, being labeled special education as a child, uh, growing up in a poor family in a segregated Baltimore. I mean, all of these were obstacles um, that he was able to overcome. And he rose to graduate from Howard University, Phi Beta Kappa. He rose to you know, become a lawyer and go on to Congress serving, and um, becoming one of the most powerful members of the U.S. Congress. Uh, and so you know, he wanted that, his story, to be a testament to youth. Uh, But he also wanted to warn the American people about uh, our past president, our immediate past president, Donald Trump, and the threat that he represented to our democracy. And so that book is making the circuit. We've been traveling, quote unquote, virtually all around the country. Uh, We've got a series of libraries across the country lined up. Uh, We've had all kinds of uh, book talks and sessions with people across the country, and that will continue. Uh, we've got two picture books coming out for children uh, that are focused on Elijah's life. We've also got a young reader's edition, a middle school version uh, for kids that are coming out, that's coming out. And we're also working on a documentary uh, that actually covers Elijah's life. But in addition to all that, I'm working on a book. And my I'm book saying. is uh, Rageism. It's focused on why our society uh, is is and failing to thrive uh, the, the issues and the challenges that we face as a country that actually um, create suboptimal results uh, and that ends up undermining and um, marginalizing talent that could be used towards the productivity of this country. I argue that if we do the right thing by investing in the best strategies, by developing the best policies and making the right investments, that literally we can unleash the human potential that has been sidelined in this country. And we can unleash it in a way that will make us better in the future than we have been in the past. And so truly I believe that our best years are ahead of us if only we can get this right.
0: Outstanding. I'm looking forward to getting uh, my hands on that book. Uh, So glad that you are heading down the road uh, and, and writing that i am sure that it will impact us and and i'm I'm also intrigued about the youth uh development off of the book that we just covered you know uh you know we're better than this uh on the youth side because i I also have a heart for youth uh and and would love to see that and implement it on my end uh uh Maya, thank you so much for sharing this time with me this morning. If anyone were to want to get a hold of you. I'll speak with you or, or, or anything like that, what would be the best way for them to do that?
1: You can DM me, which is direct message on Twitter. I'm at Maya R. Cummings. So I'm on Instagram. You can direct message me on Instagram, Maya R. Cummings, uh, and also on Facebook. Uh, and of course, LinkedIn, which is where we met, Enrique. So thank right. you so much for having me. I've enjoyed this conversation.
0: Yes, yeah, so, so I'm going to make sure that all of that is part of the video, Uh, And or the show show notes and uh, make sure that they can uh, actually get to uh, uh, speak with you. Uh, Maya, it has been a pleasure, uh, a blessing as well to speak with you this morning. Uh, And for those leaders that have been listening, uh, you know, a global policy mindset, uh, you know, and strategy is critical, even at your level, wherever you are, if you are the leader, and you don't have an inclusion type of mindset, something that involves more than just where you are, you're missing the mark. Uh, you're, you're gonna have some shortfalls. So the sooner you get there, the better it'll be for your people, the better it'll be for your company and those around you and even our nation. So uh, once again, Maya, thank you for sharing your time with us. And for all those listening, uh, as we close this show, on a normal, success to you. Thank you so much for tuning in. And I'd love to hear suggestions for our future shows or any remarks you may have that will help us improve. Until then, success to you.